December 1996, Palo Alto, California. Steve Jobs is walking back and forth outside his red brick house with a slate gray roof. It looks like something straight out of the British countryside. Jobs was unceremoniously booted from Apple 11 years ago and has spent time here working on new ventures. Right now, he's waiting for a very important guest. A vintage 1973 Mercedes pulls into the driveway. Out steps Gil Emilio, the current CEO of Apple. He's got a full head of brown hair slicked back from his round face. Jobs steps towards him, smiling. Nice car. Emilio looks at him in surprise. Thanks. It's a rare compliment from Jobs. Today, he's on his best behavior. He stretches out his hand to Emilio, and they briefly shake. Come on in. Jobs clicks the kettle on to make tea. They sit down at a wooden table in the kitchen. Emilio starts talking. So, as you know, Apple is looking for a new operating system, but we're struggling. The OS Apple is developing doesn't solve their need for better networking and memory protection. So Emilio's been looking for an alternative. Outside the company. Well, luckily for you, you're talking to just the right guy. Jobs has been working on an operating system at his company next. It's exactly the type of software Apple is looking for. Emilio smiles. We were very impressed with your pitch the other day. Jobs went to the Apple campus to pitch execs on his software, along with another competitor, Microsoft. But Jobs dazzled Emilio and his team with his stellar pitch. Thank you. I really do believe the Mac era has passed, and it's time for Apple to create something new that is just as innovative. You can do that with us. Emilio nods. The board agrees. They've given me the go-ahead to start discussing an acquisition with you. Jobs looks up from his tea and breaks into a smile. This is exactly what he wants. Next is failing. But it has an operating software that Apple needs. If Apple acquires Next, it saves Jobs the public embarrassment of his company failing. And it gives him a way to get back into Apple. Jobs leans forward to immediately start negotiating. How about $12 a share for next? We're talking $500 million. Oh, that's too high. What about $10 a share? $400 million. Jobs is pleasantly surprised. That works. Why don't we take a walk and talk about it? As usual, Jobs likes to take his meetings while strolling. They head out onto the quiet Palo Alto streets. And then... Jobs asks for what he really wants. I think that with this acquisition, I should get a seat back on the Apple board. I have so much experience, and my advice would be really helpful in turning this company around. Apple's in a weak spot. Their stock price is dismally low, and Windows 95 sold 4 million copies in just four days. But letting Jobs back on the board is risky for Emilio, because Jobs could go gunning for his job. I don't know, Steve. I just think there's too much history to do something like that so quickly. Gil, that really hurts. This is my company. I've been left out since John Scully dumped me. Emilio tries to be diplomatic. I understand, but 
I'm not sure what the board would want. I need to check with them. Jobs acquiesces. For now. Okay, we can come back to that. So, how would I be involved? Well, we'd love to have you back in some sort of advisor role. Part-time. But I think it would be great if you could come to a couple of events. That would really get people excited. Jobs nods. He was expecting that Apple would want to trot him out at product announcements to gin up excitement. And he doesn't mind. Besides, he's playing the long game. Okay, we can figure out the details later. But broad strokes, I'm happy with 400 million. Emilio walks back to his car door. That's great. Well, let's get the lawyers going on this deal. Talk to you soon, Steve. When Apple announces Jobs' return as a part-time advisor to the chairman, Apple employees rejoice. For them, this is the first step in fighting back against Microsoft's iron grip on the PC market. But for Jobs, that will be the easy part. For him, this is just the first step of his game, getting control of Apple. If you travel, you know how to pull off a perfect getaway. You know after you enroll with your Delta SkyMiles Platinum American Express card, you get up to $10 back monthly on U.S. rideshare purchases with select providers, like a car to the airport. You know which remote retreats have the best herbal baths and where the Wi-Fi password is rarely used because you're the escape artist. It's why you're a Delta SkyMiles Platinum American Express card member. If you travel, you know. Terms apply. Purchases must be on card. Visit go.mx slash you know. Now, since you're a podcast listener, I'm sure you know all about how audio just does something to the imagination. So I'm really excited to tell you about how Audible's brand new exclusive thrillers are brought to life with that kind of captivating sound design, the eerie soundscapes and dynamic performances. There's one that caught my eye. I should say it caught my ear. It's an Audible original called Sleeping Dogs Lie by Samantha Downey. It details the aftermath of a local businessman's murder in Marin County, California, a once sleepy suburb now part of the bustling Silicon Valley area. And as an Audible member, well, you get to keep one title a month from their entire catalog, including bestsellers and new releases. New members can try Audible now, free, for 30 days. Head on over to audible.com BW or text BW to 500-500. That's audible.com BW or text BW to 500-500 and try out Audible free for 30 days. From Wondery, I'm David Brown, and this is Business Wars. On the last episode, Apple was looking over the abyss as turmoil there rotted the company from the inside out, just as Microsoft's Windows operating system started ruling the computer world. In this episode, the government sues Microsoft for allegedly violating antitrust laws. And this provides just the distraction Apple needs to launch a comeback. But Jobs is already planning another war on a battlefield that doesn't even exist yet. This is Episode 4, The Gamble. 
early 1997, the Apple campus in Cupertino. Jobs, now a part-time advisor, is taking one of his customary walks with Avi Tavanian, a software engineer from Next. Jobs hired him to head up engineering at Apple. Things are bad here, really bad. The products suck. There's no sex in them anymore. Since Jobs was forced out of the company, Apple's products have basically been overpriced versions of the 1984 Macintosh Jobs put out. There's been little innovation. Even worse, Apple has licensed its software to other computer makers, diluting Apple's own brand. I need to fix this sprawling product line. I mean, Emilio made this goddamn Newton, and it's just a waste of space. The Newton is Apple's version of the Palm Pilot, a handheld computer capable of handling office-related tasks. They're considered all the rage, but Apple's model is expensive, poorly designed, and a flop. I've told Emilio to kill the Newton. He needs to listen to me. Tavanian stops and looks at Jobs. And if he doesn't? Jobs turns to Tavanian. Well, Emilio's been doing a bad job. The board is losing faith in him. It's only a matter of time before they ask me to take charge again. Will you? Look, Apple is my company. It's a boat that needs to be righted. And I'm the one to do it. The ship has been taking on water for some time. Apple's stock hit a 12-year low of $4 and is sinking even lower under the weight of a $708 million loss. The board and shareholders are looking for a lifeline. And Jobs is waiting for just the moment to toss it to them. Summer 1997 at Jobs' new office at Apple. He's back as CEO. But he shunned Emilio's well-appointed corner office full of power symbols. Instead, he took a small office. It doesn't really matter because he doesn't spend much time here. Instead, he constantly runs between the development and design teams that are housed in different buildings on the Apple campus. He's fighting desperately to turn the company around. Right now, he's in his office, sitting still and thinking, hesitating before making his next humbling call. Hi, Bill. Gates has long been expecting this call, and he plans to relish it. Oh, hi, Steve. You're one of the first people I wanted to call. I wanted to begin by saying sorry. Jobs insulted Gates in a documentary last year by claiming the problem with Microsoft is that it's bereft of original ideas. You know, Steve, those comments really upset me. Or rather, the way you made them. Look, I stand by every word of what I said. I just never should have said them in public. Gates laughs. Contrition was never Jobs' strong suit, but Gates can't help but admire his chutzpah. The thing is, these two companies are so intertwined that they have to make peace. What makes it nearly unworkable is the bruising 1988 lawsuit that Apple launched, accusing Microsoft of copying its technology. Yes, I'm back, and I'm determined to turn this thing around, but I need your help. Seriously. Jobs is not underselling his predicament. Apple is in danger of running out of money. Okay, Steve, I'm listening. It's these damn lawsuits. 
We could win a billion-dollar patent suit against you. You know it, and I know it. But it would take a few years. The question is whether Apple would survive that long if we were at war. So come on, let's figure out how to settle this right away. Gates might have been less amenable to the proposal if he was only tangling with Apple. But Microsoft faces lawsuits on two fronts now. Microsoft's Internet Explorer is the default browser on all PCs. Its closest competitor, Netscape, has alleged that Microsoft has effectively created a monopoly. The Justice Department is investigating. Gates decides to hear him out. Okay, what are you thinking? A commitment that Microsoft will keep developing for the Mac. This would be an investment by Microsoft in Apple, so it has a stake in our success. Microsoft will invest in Apple in exchange for shares in the company. Jobs waits impatiently for Gates to figure out all angles. Gates calculates that if Microsoft were to invest in Apple, it might make Microsoft look less monopolistic and get the Justice Department off his back. That part will be a miscalculation. He thinks Jobs' offer is good, but not good enough. I need something too, Steve. Well, let's hear it. If we do this, I need Apple to drop the lawsuit that alleges Microsoft copied the look and feel of the Mac OS for Windows. Jobs had expected this. Okay. And one more thing. I want Internet Explorer to be the default browser on Apple computers. Not the only option. I'll get in trouble for that. Just make it the default option. Jobs thinks about this. All told, Gates isn't asking for a lot from Apple. And Gates makes one more overture to seal the deal. Look, Steve, we've known each other a long time. We've made a lot of money and a lot of great products together. Come on, let's make this work. With that, Jobs gets a $150 million cash infusion that keeps Apple afloat. And Gates unshackles himself from the patent lawsuit. And for the time being, they form a shaky peace. When Jobs announces the deal at a tech conference, it receives mixed reactions from the crowd. Some people boo. Apple fans are distrustful of Microsoft, who they see as the boring status quo. But Jobs insists that the public needs to let go of the idea that in order for Apple to win, Microsoft must lose. And Wall Street agrees. The Microsoft announcement sends Apple stock soaring. But stockholders are fickle. Late 1997, Apple's campus in Cupertino. Jobs is in the design studio meeting with Johnny Ive, the head of industrial design overseeing the look and feel of products. He shows Jobs a prototype for a new computer that they both hope will save Apple. Johnny, we need to reboot the Macintosh and get back to our roots. We need a desktop computer aimed at the home consumers. I've not. Something a regular person can use at home. Exactly. I I want it to be an all-in-one product with a keyboard and a monitor and a computer ready to use right out of the box. And it needs to be cheap. You know, $1,200 or so. Ive frowns. We don't have any computers selling for less than $2,000 right now. Well, we'll figure it out. Most importantly, though, I want it to have a distinct look. Just then... Ive holds up a panel of colorful blue plastic. It's almost turquoise, sea green blue. What if we made it colorful? What do you mean? 
What if it has colorful plastic casings that are semi-sheer, so you can almost see the inner workings of the computer? It'll look super modern, chic, very new millennium. Chic, not geek. I like that. Well, what color do you call this? Bondi blue, like the beach in Australia. And what if we made it curved, like a wave, no more square corners and straight lines? Ive holds up a foam model of the computer shape. It has a curved edge. He shows it to Jobs. I love it. I love the curve. I love the translucency. It's cheeky and playful. Exactly what we need to get people excited about Apple again. Oh, I feel good about this, Johnny. This is going to change everything. As exciting as the idea seems, Jobs knows they're living on borrowed time. Microsoft held up its end of the deal with the cash, but Apple is still struggling to stay afloat. At this moment, the existential question for Apple is, will the iMac sink or swim? Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash back on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. If you're a small business owner, it isn't just your business. It's your life. Whatever your business might be, you want someone who understands. That's where State Farm Small Business Insurance comes in. See, State Farm agents are small business owners, too. They know what it takes to help you personalize your policies for your small business needs. Like a good neighbor... State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. August 1998, a boardroom at Microsoft headquarters in Seattle. Gates sits in a large leather chair staring at the row of lawyers opposite him. A video camera is trained on Gates. The lawyers are from the Justice Department and the New York Attorney General's office, and they mean business. Gates was hoping that investing in Apple would get the government off his back, but that hasn't worked. David Boyce, the attorney from the Justice Department, kicks things off. Well, I think we all know why we're here. The government is suing Microsoft on allegations that the Windows operating system is a monopoly. We believe you're using Windows to push your browser, Internet Explorer. Internet Explorer is the web browser that comes free with Microsoft's operating system, which means it's on all PCs. The government is arguing that that gives Windows an unfair advantage over browser competitors like Netscape. Boys continues... What non-Microsoft browsers were you concerned about in January of 1996? Gates adjusts his glasses. I don't know what you mean. Concerned? Boys frowns. What is it about the word concerned that you don't understand? I'm not sure what you mean by it. Is there a document where I use that term? Is the term concerned a term that you're familiar with in the English language? Yes. Boys is growing frustrated. 
Why is the CEO of Microsoft pretending not to know what concerned means? Boys changes tactics. Does removing Internet Explorer cause Windows to run slower? I don't recall. Did you send this memo I have in front of me? I don't recall. Mr. Gates, is the term proprietary API a term that's commonly used in your business? An API, or application programming interface, is a set of defined rules that explain how computers or applications communicate with one another. Do you want me to define proprietary API or not? No, I didn't ask you to define proprietary API. I asked you a simple question about whether the term proprietary API was commonly used in your business. Now, I'm prepared to sit here as long as you want to answer questions that I haven't asked. The deposition continues in this way, with Gates evading questions and boys drilling him for answers. The entire deposition takes three days. At one point, as the videotape was played in court, U.S. District Judge Thomas Penfield Jackson audibly laughed and shook his head during the sometimes comical exchange between Boyce and his less-than-cooperative witness. Gates sees the government's antitrust case as an overreach. He doesn't believe Microsoft has done anything wrong. But the government won't let the case go. And with Microsoft distracted, Apple takes the opportunity to strike. August 1998, the same month Gates is being deposed. A man opens up a box, and his eyes light up. The iMac looks like a space-age TV from the future, with blue plastic sides and a big screen on the front. The man grabs the handle on the back and heaves it up onto the desk next to his beige boxy Dell. The difference is like night and day. Apple spent $100 million on advertising, and it worked. This guy was one of 150,000 people who pre-ordered the iMac. He plugs the new computer into the outlet, connects the mouse and keyboard to the computer, and powers it up. Apple's iconic startup chime blasts from the built-in stereo speakers on the front of the computer. That's another thing that sets it apart from the Dell, which has separate speakers that have to be plugged in. Wow, that was quick. Almost instantly, the screen illuminates in color. He clicks on a blue E with a yellow circle running through it. It's Internet Explorer, Microsoft's web application that lets users surf this new thing called the Internet. As part of Gates' deal with Jobs, Internet Explorer is included on every single iMac, continuing Microsoft's legacy of making applications for Apple. Jobs marketing the iMac as the coolest new tech product on the market pays off. In its first year, Apple sells about a million iMacs. It puts a huge dent in demand for other personal computer makers like HP and Dell. They simply can't compete with Apple's innovative design. Just as Apple is riding high, Microsoft is dealt a hefty blow. The government rules that Microsoft's dominance in operating systems constitutes a monopoly. It orders Microsoft to be broken into two separate companies, one to make operating systems and another to make other applications. Microsoft appeals and attempts to reach a settlement, but that process will take years. 
With all the legal troubles, Gates took his eye off innovation, not jobs. In 1999, Jobs retools the iMac into the iBook, a laptop that can fit into a backpack. The iBook becomes a hit with a growing demographic, students. But Jobs is already thinking about what comes after the personal computer. Early 2001, Apple's design studio. Jobs is back with Johnny Ive. They're looking to develop an update to the iMac. People have been listening to music on computers a lot, so Jobs has asked Ive to add a CD burner to the iMac. So this is what I've come up with. It's not beautiful, but it's practical. Jobs looks at it. Apple recently bought music-playing software and repurposed it into a program called iTunes. iTunes lets users create their own playlists and CDs. So use this to create their own playlist to burn CDs? Ive nods. Jobs looks into the middle distance. iTunes marks a turning point for Apple. Usually Gates is the one pioneering software. Jobs thinks, not this time. Okay, great. We've got the software for people to listen to music on, but we don't have the hardware. We're missing out on a huge market. Uh, what are you thinking? Music listening has moved on since the days of cassette tapes and the bulky Sony Walkman. The small, finicky MP3 players currently on the market have limited storage. These MP3 players truly suck. They hold about 16 songs and nobody can figure out how to use them. Loading songs on these things is a nightmare for the average consumer. I'm guessing you'd want something that fits in your pocket. Curved edges, sleek looking. Jobs nods. Maybe we can have some combination of a small LCD screen, a rechargeable battery, and massive storage. What do you think? With that, Jobs marches out to his engineers to start rallying the troops. He wants them to begin working on a new product he calls the iPod. In October 2001, it goes on sale for $399 and is an instant hit. Gates watches on in envy. There was a moment when Microsoft had to make a choice. Should it focus on music or gaming? It developed the Xbox, which was popular, but it didn't even come close to the profitability of iTunes. Two thousand two, Seattle, Washington. Bill Gates is sitting at his desk reading an email from one of his executives. There's some good news at Microsoft. They've reached a settlement with the U.S. government over the antitrust case. But that's not what the exec is writing about. No, he's raving about the iPod, saying it's the best product ever, which makes Gates wince. But then the exec mentions iPod has one serious problem. It doesn't work with PCs. And a smile crawls across Gates's face. Save, congrats on iTunes and the iPod. What you've done is amazing. Jobs smiles smugly. He knows that Apple is killing it on the music front and that Microsoft has been totally left behind. Well, thank you. Microsoft is by far the most widely used operating system. It runs about 95% of the world's computers. Mac makes up the rest. So that's some consolation for Gates. For years, Microsoft users have viewed Mac users as a curiosity. 
But iTunes and the iPod have become such a phenomenon that Microsoft users are now clamoring to use them. Gates worries that people will begin buying Macs just to be able to use iTunes. So he has an idea. I wanted to talk with you about making iTunes available on Windows. Jobs pauses. Apple tends to refuse to make products that are compatible with its rivals' computers. But Jobs sees an opportunity. If he makes the iPod accessible to PC users, it could blow Apple into another stratosphere. But he's going to play hard to get. Bill, you know we don't really do that. But if you do, it'll open you up to an even wider audience. Well, let me think about it, and I'll call you back. Jobs considers Gates' proposition. If he lets PC users get iTunes, that means even more people can buy iPods. Microsoft does have the breadth that Apple needs. But he also feels making the iPod more accessible to PC users will erode the cool factor many Apple users feel. And then there's the very real possibility that those less attached to the Apple aesthetic might gravitate to PCs. Jobs has a big decision to make. He can make iTunes more accessible to PC users, or he can keep it siloed in his iMac bubble and risk losing out on world domination. LinkedIn Jobs isn't just another job board. With a vast network of more than a billion professionals, it's the best place to hire. You'll get access to professionals you can't find anywhere else. And if that sounds overwhelming, look, don't worry, it's not. LinkedIn Jobs makes the process easy and intuitive. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. If you're like me, hiring the best candidates for a job can often be about who you know, the connections you make. My favorite thing about LinkedIn Jobs is the ability to screen for the experience and qualities you're looking for and reach out directly, not waiting for the right person to come in over the transom, sifting through emails. It's actually fun to find people with the skills and backgrounds you need this way through LinkedIn Jobs. Often, you're making connections that help your business along the way. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash businesswars. You can thank me later. That's linkedin.com slash businesswars to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. October 2003, San Francisco. Steve Jobs is standing on stage at the Moscone Center West in front of about 300 journalists, Apple employees, and music industry executives. Jobs is in the middle of a presentation about the iTunes Music Store. As usual, Jobs holds the audience spellbound. There's one more feature, and a lot of people thought we would never add this feature until this happened. The giant screen behind him illuminates with the words, Hell froze over. Well, I'm here to report to you today that this has happened. Today, we are announcing that the second-generation iTunes doesn't just run on the Mac. It runs on Windows, too. The screen then shows an example of iTunes on Windows. It's got the blue taskbar at the bottom, the green button on the far left that says Start, and in the center of the screen is the same iTunes window that appears on the Mac. But Jobs can't resist poking fun at Microsoft. 
iTunes for Windows is probably the best Windows app ever written. No doubt that dig annoyed Gates. But they see the utility for both companies with this partnership. Jobs may be compromising on his design dogma, but if they're inside this hugely expanded market together, they'll both be winners. This partnership is a huge moment for Apple and Microsoft. Gates gets in on the action and Apple taps into a huge potential market. Even if Apple will sell 20 million iPods by 2005, everyone wins. But Jobs already has his eyes set on the next battlefield. Late 2005, Cupertino, California. Design chief Johnny Ive pulls out a prototype of P2, the codename given to his team's latest project. There's no keyboard or track wheel. Instead, the whole front of the device is a screen. There's one small round button at the bottom. He shows the device to Jobs and the design team. What we come up with is a keyboard that appears and disappears on screen, which you can use to type. I pulls up a new text message. A keyboard appears at the bottom half of the screen. Every time he touches a letter, it enlarges to show which one he's picked. It's slow and buggy, but words do appear on the screen. We've also developed a way to swipe away content. Ives demonstrates by swiping to the left to scroll through photos from the phone's camera reel. It's slow, but it works. The group of designers is impressed. But one executive frowns. I think we do still need to have a physical keyboard. Look how popular BlackBerry is. Jobs shakes his head. No. A hardware keyboard seems like an easy solution, but it's constraining. Think of all the innovations we'll be able to bring to market with a virtual keyboard. Uh, Steve, we still aren't sure we can pull off the engineering required to make this work. The software needed is unreal. We'd have to fit a whole Macintosh computer into this phone. Jobs looks around the room. This is a bet-the-company moment. His engineers aren't sure it's even possible to make the touchscreen software work. And that's reason enough for Jobs to do it. He holds up the touchscreen phone. Let's make it work. Not only does Apple make the touchscreen work, it launches the best-selling product of all time. Once again, Gates doesn't see this coming and is caught completely flat-footed. By giving the consumer the ability to put a Mac in your pocket, it completely upends the personal computer market. Phones become personal computers. And the iPhone becomes the most profitable product ever, selling more than 1 billion units since its 2007 launch. Microsoft tries desperately to catch up with copycat products, It scrambles to launch the Zune to compete with the iPod and the Windows Phone to compete with the iPhone. But Microsoft is left in the dust. So much so that in 2010, Apple passes Microsoft to become the biggest tech company in the world, all thanks to the iPhone. Today, PCs are still preferred by gamers, But MacBooks have taken over as the professional, personal computer of choice. PCs might be uncool to some, 
but Microsoft software still remains ubiquitous. Many Macs still run the Windows suite of programs, such as Microsoft Word. But Apple isn't the only threat to Microsoft. Recently, Google Docs and other programs have moved onto Microsoft Turf by creating software that lets users work simultaneously and save their items to the cloud. There's a very loyal Apple fan base willing to pay more for its products. That only goes so far for so long, because in the battle for technological supremacy, companies that don't innovate perish. So if there's a weak spot at the core of Apple, you can bet its rivals will find it. Coming up on Business Wars, tech journalists Lauren Good and Michael Calore of the Wired podcast Gadget Lab help us understand where the Mac versus PC debate stands today while exploring the company that's giving them the biggest run for their money. From Wondery, this is the fourth episode of Apple versus Microsoft for Business Wars. A quick note about recreations you've been hearing. In most cases, we can't know exactly what was said. Those scenes are dramatizations, but they're based on historical research. For more on the history of the Mac, check out Steve Jobs, written by Walter Isaacson. We also recommend Hard Drive by James Wallace and Jim Erickson. I'm your host, David Brown. Natalie Robomed wrote this story. Karen Lowe is our senior producer and editor. Edited and produced by Emily Frost. Sound designed by Josh Morales. Our senior managing producer is Tanja Thigpen. Our managing producer is Matt Gant. Our producer is Dave Schilling. Our executive producers are Jenny Lauer-Beckman and Marshall Louie. Created by Hernan Lopez for Wondery. Hey, it's Guy Raz here, the host of How I Built This, a podcast that gives you a front row seat to how some of the biggest products were built and the innovators, entrepreneurs, and idealists behind them. Every week, I speak to someone new, stories like Justin Wolverton's, a lawyer who just wanted a healthy alternative to ice cream, so he created Halo Top in his Cuisinart. Or Todd Graves, who grew his fried chicken restaurant Raising Cane's into one of the most successful fast food chains in the U.S. All of these great conversations can help you learn how to think big, take risks, and navigate crises in life and work from people who've done all of that and more. Follow How I Built This on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to How I Built This early and ad-free right now on Wondery Plus.